We're in this series we've been talking about sharing together. And two weeks ago, we began by talking about the necessity for us to understand what do we hold as primary, what is secondary, what is preferential. We spoke to the need for us to have peace amongst one another and overlooking the preferences that we might hold to what is standard, what is, what is not uh, anything we question, what is primary. And last week we talked about how God has called us to take that grace and exemplify it into our culture. And today we want to talk about how in order to do that effectively, we have to stand together on what it is we believe. And on this 500th anniversary of the Reformation, we want to be mindful of the doctrinal distinctives that that we hold to. Everyone here who is a member of Living Hope, what I'm going to talk about today, this is what makes us one. It's not that we look alike, talk alike, it's not even because we have the same language. You'll see these videos, hopefully, uh, if you're here at at the early part, of the service when we show all the baptisms, maybe we'll put them on Facebook or whatever. But we had six people baptized this morning who speak Karini. They speak the Korean language. They're members of our church. And we have a part of our fellowship that speaks another language. We have three different languages that are members of our church. We have the Korean, we have Mandarin, and we have Swahili. And so these are parts of ours. We're launching out a Nepalese congregation. I don't know if you heard what happening, what is happening in Nepal, but they are now killing people who confess Christ as Savior. So now we have a congregation here of those who've had to escape this persecution. We're helping them get their church started. We've helped start two or three others in other languages. What holds us together is not our language. What holds us together is not our looks. It's it's not even necessarily geography. It's what we believe. And we have to know what we believe. 500 years ago, a man by the name of Martin Luther, he nailed to a, 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 a... basically a, a church door, a statement. It was 95 pieces of issues that he felt needed to be dealt with. And it was supposed to basically stay there at Wittenberg among, among the academia, uh, among those who had studied and had thoughts. It really sparked a fire that had already been brewing. A lot of people think, oh, it started with Luther. No, friends. For hundreds of years, there have been reformers. There, there were those who held to these fundamental beliefs that we're going to look at today. I don't know if you saw this. I posted this. I thought it was just hilarious. So here's Martin Luther. I don't always nail things to doors, but when I do, stuff happens. I love that. Well, we understand that, that some stuff happened. When, when, when Martin, when he, when he nailed that, there became a great conversation and controversy. Friends, the, the, the doctrines that we're going to look at today, people died to pass on to us. What we will be discussing today to talk about in certain parts of the, of the world, we would be arrested, we might be killed. We have forebears, family members, those who hold to faith in Christ, held to faith in Christ, who died for these truths. And so it's crucial that we understand them, not only for their sakes and for the sake of the, of the gospel itself, but that we might stand together understanding our place and our role. Now, to do that well, we need to always look to God's Word. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, Take it and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. This is Scripture. This is God's Word. And it applies not only to Corinth, but to us, as we will soon see. Brady Barnes is going to read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word as Brady comes to read our text for today. Again, it is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and he's going to read for us verses 2 and 3. Brady, Brady if you would read that for us. The church of God that is in Corinth. Those sanctified in Christ Jesus call to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both your Lord and ours. Grace to 
peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, brother. If you would go ahead and be seated. Now, I want you to notice quickly in verse 2 that this is not written simply to a people in a particular place at a particular time that is in Corinth in the first century. But this being God's Word, written by God's Spirit, through God's servant, the Apostle Paul, this Word is written to us. Look in verse 2, what it says plainly. With all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is us. That is believers at all times and all places. See, God is at work in the world, and He's calling us to be a part of that work. In order to do that rightly, we have to know what we believe, and what we believe is what holds us together and what makes us effective as those who share what God is doing. We can't live hopeful if we don't have something that makes us eternally hopeful. And we can't be helpful to eternal souls if what we have doesn't meet the need of an eternal soul. What God has given to us enables us to go not only to our city, your home, my home, our neighborhood, our nation and our world with something that is powerful that can transform lives, but it holds us together. And friends, we have to understand that there, this is dangerous. There's a reason why the world seeks to stamp out what God is doing, because it's dangerous, because it brings transformation. And where we go, we go to bring light into darkness, and the darkness hates it. But we go, and God does miracles. I was mindful this week, laughing, thinking about one of our missionaries that we partnered with who called me right as he got back into country and said, Pastor Jason, I need to meet with you. I think I've done something wrong. And I thought, oh, no, Lord, we don't need a controversy in the church about missions. What is that? I said, come immediately. So he came, and I said, what happened? He said, well, you know, my mission, my what I was called to do was just simply take Bibles into this part of the country because there were no Bibles. I said, right, we paid for the Bibles. Is that right? Yes, yes, the church with a gift for Christ made the Bibles available, sent a team to go and just distribute them. I said, okay, that doesn't sound bad. He said, well, I shared with them what the Bible says, and some of them got saved. I said, well, that sounds good. That's, that's not bad. And he said, well, then I remembered uh, that part I read that, that they needed to be baptized. And so they asked me to baptize them. He said, and this is where I think I messed up. I baptized them. And I said, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You took the gospel to the nations, some believed, and they were baptized. I don't see where this is wrong. And then he said, but now they're a church, right? I said, yeah, I guess that would make them a, a local church. He said, well, I don't plant churches. That's not what y'all sent me to do. What do we do now? I said, well, now we have a responsibility to go and disciple them to be healthy, helpful, hopeful churches. And that is what we have done. It was a mistake. It was a work of God. So many times we think we know what we're supposed to do. And God smiles and says, poor child, all I need you to do is be faithful. I do the work. And, and the work is to share the hope that we have and to be helpful to others who don't know this truth. And as we share that truth, God does what only God can do, which is to bring a light where there is darkness, to bring life where there was once death. And what we bring, though, is very important. We don't just bring a general idea of something to have faith in. We, be we believe in something very distinctive. And the Reformation provided the fundamentals of what it is we believe and what it is we bring to the world, what allows us to live hopeful and be helpful. And, and there were many things that came out of the Reformation. The most important things that came out in the last 500 years are the doctrinal distinctives of those who believe. There are five solas. 
that came out of the Reformation. Sola means only. It's these Latin phrases, these Latin slogans are the fundamentals of what we hold to as a people of faith. And so it's crucial that we understand them. These are the very uh, foundations that our articles of faith, our statement of faith as a church, what we build upon. And so I think it's crucial, and it's an opportunity on this, the 500th anniversary of the, of the launching of the Reformation, to be mindful of what these solas are. The first one is this, sola scriptura. That means by scripture alone. It is the Bible alone that is the authoritative teaching and voice that we hold to as true. Our own statement of faith says this. We believe that the 66 books of the Bible were written by men inspired by God. That is God's only written revelation of himself and his standards for mankind. That is without error in the original manuscripts, worthy of our trust, sufficient for explaining salvation, and our, and our authoritative for faith and life. Scripture is a testimony to Christ who is the focus of divine revelation. We know, and these scriptures speak to that, that the Bible is the Word of God. We know that we do not depend upon our emotions. We do not look to our circumstances to tell us what is true. I don't look into my heart and say, what do I feel should be true? Because my heart is deceitful, the scripture says, and will always be clouded with, with my emotions that are, that are tainted by sin. I don't look at my world and say, world, tell me what is true, because the world is broken in sin. Where do we go for authority? Where do we go for divine truth? We go to the Word of God. See, you have to understand, during the time of the Reformation, there was all kinds of confusion. People couldn't define what a Christian was or how they became one. There was rampant immorality because there was no standard. There was no single truth that everyone knew that they were to abide under. And so there was all kinds of confusion. There was all kinds of sin. There was all kinds of disruption and disunity. When the Word of God was brought back as the single authority, it was then that the church gained clarity and became effective for the glory of God. This was not the first time. It has happened several times. But it is the Word of God that we hold to, not our feelings, not our thoughts, not our culture. It's the Word of God. See, we understand that the Bible is not a collection of sayings or stories. We understand that it's a single story divided in four parts. It describes reality. Describes the fact that God made all things in harmony. And that's why we're sad when bad things happen. That's why when cancer comes or there, there is a racial uh, problems and pain and killing and death and wars and famines, all this stuff came because of sin. Our, our own fall away from grace is what causes all the pain of our world. But God didn't leave us. Instead, He came to rescue us. And one day, He's going to restore all things. That's our hope. And because we know this is reality, this is the help that we bring to the world. We hope in what God has done and is doing according to His Word. And that's what we hope in, and that's how we help other people. It begins with the authority of Scripture. So sola scriptura led to sola gratia. By grace alone. We have to understand what enables us to believe and to have salvation. We put this in our... This is in our Articles of Faith. This is our statement of faith. We believe that salvation is the free gift of God, whereby God, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies an individual. And then these are the scriptures that allow us and let us know that this is true. 
it is by grace alone you were saved. During the time of the Reformation, there was a there was a there was a lie, there was a heresy being taught that no, 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 it's grace, but also your behavior. Jesus gets you to almost the point of salvation, but then you got to earn the rest of the way. You got to close the deal. You got to make it happen. And if you die and you haven't fulfilled all that's there, you're going to have to go to a place of suffering. And they needed some money, and so they go back to uh, people that they have deceived and said, listen, your loved ones are in a place of suffering, but if you'll pay this indulgence, if you'll pay this money to the church, the extra righteousness of the saints, those who, who didn't just pay more grace than what they needed, they've got extra, and so you can buy that, and they'll throw that on your loved ones, and then they'll get out of this place of suffering, which is a lie. But it's still taught today. And we must understand that the Word of God teaches it's grace. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. What is grace? It's, it's, it's when you get what you don't deserve. Billy Graham got a speeding ticket, which soothes my conscience as one who's gotten one as well, or two or three. It doesn't really matter. Just know that grace is good. Billy Graham got a ticket. And back in those days, they didn't mail it to you. You had to stay overnight and go to the judge the next day. So he went to the courtroom, and the judge didn't even look up. He just said, okay, guilty, not guilty, speeding, fine. He says, sir, I am guilty. And he recognized the voice immediately of Billy Graham. And he looked up, and he said, Reverend Graham, you got caught speeding? He said, yes, I did. And he said, well, you're guilty, and there's a fine for that. It's $100. judge pulled out $100 and said, paid in full, and I'm taking you to dinner tonight. That's what God did for us. The judge paid the penalty for our sin, and now he feeds us on truth in a relationship of love. That's what grace is. You can't earn this. It is. That's what makes it grace. Scripture teaches us grace, and that grace is received by faith alone. Again, the third one, sola fide, by faith alone. We do not teach faith for faith's sake. We believe that faith must be based upon grace. Here again is our, here's our statement of faith. That in order to be saved, individuals must respond by faith to the call of God by repenting of their sin, believing in, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and committing themselves to follow Christ. Every time we baptize a believer, we ask them two questions. Have you repented of your sins and believed in Jesus Christ? And they say, yes or amen. And then we say, will you live under the authority and obey him the remainder of your life? And they say, yes or amen. And then we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Having been buried with Christ in baptism, they are raised to walk into a new life. That life was based upon the word of God that is given to us by the grace of God that we receive by faith alone. But again, it's faith, not just in, the, in a general idea. Listen, when we go overseas, when we go to, when we go home, when we go into our neighborhoods and work, we don't just say, "Hey, just be people of faith, believe good things, have happy thoughts." It's not what the word teaches. It's not what we believe. We believe the Bible teaches it is by grace, through faith. In Christ alone. And so we have not only sola vida, but we have solus Christus through Christ alone. Again, it is Christ. It is God made flesh. What does our statement of faith say? It says a lot here. I'm going to read quite a bit, but look at it. Consider this. We believe in Jesus Christ, the one and only eternal Son of God, who while fully divine became a man that he might reveal God and redeem mankind. 
that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, that he lived a sinless life and died a substitutionary death in order to serve as the one and only mediator between God and man, that he was buried and then physically resurrected from the grave and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father, where he remains as an intercessor for his people until the day in which he will return to judge the living and the dead that His judgment is final, resulting in those who are righteous in Christ, spending eternity with the Lord, and the unredeemed spending eternity in hell. And we have the Scriptures to support that truth of Christ. It is the Word of God that tells us of the grace of God that we receive by faith alone, in Christ alone. Our object of faith is crucial. Listen. Your faith, and everyone in this room has faith, is only as strong and powerful and meaningful as the object of your faith. Everyone in this room has faith. What are you counting on that will satisfy the eternal longing of your desperate soul? You, from this moment, please hear me, are going to exist forever. Your body is going to die. You will remain living. You have an eternal soul. What will satisfy that eternal soul? Not your looks, because they're fading. Sorry. Not your health, because it's, it's fading. Not your job, because you're going to lose it. Not friends, not family. If your faith is in that created thing, your faith is only as strong as that created thing. And sooner or later, your faith will fail. Jesus Christ is God Almighty, the Eternal One. He has come to give eternal grace, eternal love, eternal hope, living hope. And if your faith is in Christ alone, then, then your faith will always be satisfied and your, the demands of your eternal soul will be met only as you repent and believe what the Scripture says about grace through faith in Christ alone. And all of this was done by God for His glory. That's the last one. Sole Deo Gloria. Glory to God alone. This is not simply so that we would be happy, but so that we would be happy in God. Friends, hear me. God's goal is not to make you happy in a cheap, earthly substitute. God's goal is to make you happy in what will make you happy forever. And only God Himself can do that. And when you live to glorify Him and to enjoy Him, it is then that you fulfill God's design for your and my existence. And we do that better together. The Shorter Catechism, tell, Shorter Catechism tells us this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You will never be eternally happy until you do that. And you can only do that if you believe the Word of God and the grace of God that you receive by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of His great name. These doctrines are what make us distinctive from everything and everyone else. And in this church that was written to by Paul, he said to them, to the church of God that is in Corinth, he was saying to them, you must stand together. He's saying to living hope, this is what will hold you together. This truth, this mighty truth, these five solas are what make us capable of standing together. And we stand better together. And so he writes to the church, and he said, standing together, the saints of God in a local church, make note of this, are made to be sanctified in Christ. To be sanctified. Look what it says in the, in, in the middle part of, of verse 2. 
And he says to the church of God that is in Corinth, look at that. To those, you might underline that, those sanctified in Christ Jesus. To be sanctified is to be set apart. See, God did not save us so that we would continue to look like and live like the rest of the world. The Word of God teaches us the grace of God so that we would have faith in Christ alone, so that for the glory of God, we would be set apart and and be able to be a a hopeful people that helps the world. To be set apart is to live in the world as Christ. To to be set apart is to gather with God's people in Christ. And, and, And to be set apart is to serve God's purpose for Christ. And we do that better together. Understand, not only are we to be sanctified, we're to be unified. Standing together, the saints of God in a local church are called to be unified under Christ. Again, back to verse 2. We are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. That's what gives us hope. Our hope is in Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If it hasn't happened, someday it will. Live long enough in Christ there will come a day when your hope and your faith will be challenged. And in those moments, if you have isolated yourself and decided, I'm strong enough, I don't need to be a part of a local church, I don't need to be dependent upon other people, I can do this all by myself. In that moment, your faith and your hope will fail. Here's the good news. Not only do we have Christ alone, we have one another that He has set apart to stand together. And so in your moment of despondency or discouragement, in your moment of depression, I can hope for you and you can hope for me. See, there may come a moment when you say, I can't believe, I can't, I, I, lost, I, I, can't, I don't see it, I don't know. And you need a brother or sister who comes alongside and says, I still see it though. And I see you and I see Christ. I love you and I'm believing with you. While you're, while you're struggling, I'm here with you. See, without that, the enemy will deceive us. He will destroy us. We have to understand that we are to be sanctified, set apart, and then unified as those who have hope, who choose to help, and then standing together, the saints of God in a local church and able to be blessings from Christ. Look what we alone have. Look in verse 3. Look what we alone have. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. The only thing that will save. And peace. And notice the peace. It's from God. You know what that means? It is not dependent upon circumstances. Here's the good news for all who believe. Even though you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not fear evil. For God's God's hand will be with you. His rod and His staff will comfort you. The Good Shepherd will will not abandon you. Hear me, friends. Even in those dark moments when you may abandon God, you're still His child, and He calls you home. He calls you back to His flock. He calls you back to the Fides. He calls you back to the only thing that will save you. It's the truth of God's Word, by grace through faith in Christ alone, to the glory of God. Do you have this? Can you stand with us? Or are you still standing outside of the grace of God because you've not placed your faith in Him? Today, you need to place your faith in Christ alone. I can't pray that prayer for you. You must get on your knees and ask God to do it. Those of you who claim Christ, are you hopeful and are you helpful? 
is your faith growing? Do you stand together with the, the people of God growing in this faith? Are you strength to others and are they strength to you? And in that strength and in that hope, can you help and will you help? Understanding the most powerful help that you have to offer is prayer for another soul. Do you not know there's a limit to what you can do? You can only tell your children so many times what they ought to do. You can only suggest to your friends so much truth. There's only so many things that you can do to help your neighbors and to help the people of the world with resources. You know what we cannot do that God alone can do is He can change a heart. He can take a soul that is dead and bring it to life. He can take darkness and He can change it into light. And you know what? The way He's chosen to do that is through the prayers of His people. That happens better together, friends. We share better together when we stand together. So this morning we're going we're to end by singing of our commitment to stand together in what we believe. And I want to invite you to come and pray and ask God to do a miracle in the lives of those you love, maybe your own life. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we acknowledge that you are gracious, and we know this because of your word, not simply because of feelings or thoughts or ideas that are constructed within the minds of brilliant people, but because your word's been revealed. And so by grace, we now know it, and through faith that you give us by your spirit, in Christ alone we are saved. And for your glory, we stand together on these mighty truths, hoping to, to be of help to those we love and to those you love. So would you today hear the prayers of those who come to ask you to do miracles, hear the prayers of those who simply pray and say to you that we will stand and we will believe. Thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name.